This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back. Coast to Coast Podcast here on InsideCarolina.com. I'm Joey Powell. With me as always, Sean Moran, Sherelle McMillan. We're brought to you by Johnny T-Shirt. fellas happy boxing day to you as we are recording this hope that you guys had a great 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 holiday uh sean moran how are you doing well merry christmas to you and everybody yeah man you too sherelle mcmillan how you feeling i'm good trying to fit all this cardboard into the recycle and you know just doing the math equations in my head to make everything fit it does not work there's no (laughs) there is no tetris that has been invented that can allow you to properly put all of the cardboard corrugated or otherwise into the bin as it needs to go prior to recycling day pickup. But that is another lamentation for another day, but appreciate you guys joining us. Appreciate everybody tuning in to listen. Um, again, this is the coast to coast podcast. We are on a single coast due to the holiday travel of one Sean Moran. So I hope that you guys do not notice any drop in quality. Uh, even if the name of the show is a little, a uh, little misleading for this particular episode, but we appreciate you guys being here. If you have not subscribe, rate, review us, that's good stuff. It helps us provide better, better quality content for you and also allows, man, I'm I'm in vacation mode here. I'm not on the top of my game, Um, but allows, allows us to provide good quality content for you and puts us at the top of all of the search algorithms and all that good stuff. And as usual, if you don't like what we're doing, Hey, let us know that too. We want to make sure that we're doing things right. And Hey, it is a Christmas miracle guys. Sherman Claus came through, got me a new headset. So shout out to everybody who has been, uh, struggling through that the last couple of episodes we were having some some technical issues with with my microphone tried a new headset that didn't work but uh yeah um jolly old saint ben came through and hooked us up with a, a new headset for for this show and hope that you guys notice and improve sound quality fellas let's get rolling let's talk a little carolina basketball carolina recruiting all the good stuff that our listeners have come to expect from us One of the big things that I noticed last week, and it was a light week. We want to reset this for everybody. It was a light week. The Tar Heels played on Tuesday night, uh, hosted Appalachian State at home. App State is now six and seven on the year. Uh, The Tar Heels improved to nine and three in a 70 to 50 win. Uh, You know, it was workmanlike. Um, Tar Heels shot uh, 46% from the field. Uh, I think Appalachian shot like 30. So, you know, the, the defense was better, but I also think Appalachian took some really, really bad shots. Uh, I don't know if they're a team that has, you know, typical shooting ability, but they they shot like a team that expected to make more than they made. Guys, what can we make out of out of this game? I, I know a lot of folks still have that gross Kentucky taste in their mouths, and that's okay. Uh, Sherelle, how do you feel like we should process the Appalachian game? Uh, that they won a game they were supposed to, and that for the most part, outside of a couple of minutes there, um, they completely overwhelmed the opponent with their size, and with their ability. Um, you know, if you can't always beat 
teams better than you, then you should make sure that you beat teams who aren't as talented as you. And so far, I think this team has been pretty good at that. There's been some lulls for sure, but they've mostly taken care of business. And I know how it happened is kind of the concern, but if you open things up and just look at a nine and three non-conference, I think before the season, everybody would said, oh, I'm okay with that. It's fine. I just think the, the two um, SEC losses really distorted how we're viewing everything. Not saying that there's not a ton of issues that have to be worked through, um, but uh, that's what I took from from Tuesday night, just that they they won the game they were supposed to. Nobody got hurt, and they're on to the ACC. I jumped on the Christmas Eve, Eve version of On the Beat with Tommy and Greg Barnes and Gregory Hall and actually gave a nod to you, my friends, about uh, that you probably wouldn't like me saying it, but the 9-3 and three record, this is more of a um, the how is much more concerning than the what. But I think everything you For said once. is also, yeah, everything you said is also accurate <laughs> in that, um, you know, in that if you stack this app game on the back end of it, uh, maybe it gets North Carolina back to winning games they should win as they head into the conference season. Sean, I want to ask you specifically about two players. Um, RJ Davis, again, real bucket getter. I mean, seven of 10 from the field, uh, hit his only three point shot, finished with 15. Not a great assist game, but, you know, the other things he did were good, but also just how workmanlike has Armando Baycott become 16 and 10, uh, three offensive rebounds. He was seven and nine from the floor. Uh, just even had two blocks. I mean, the, the, the guy is just as old school as it comes. How do you feel like those guys prognosticate or how can we prognosticate how those guys may contribute as the Tar Heels get into the meat of their conference play, starting with uh, Virginia Tech? Well, I'll start with Armando first, because uh, I, I feel we barely talk about him on, on this podcast because he is so workmanlike and he is just, you know, for the most part, dominant uh, every every game and the team's the team's best player. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I know we, we probably talked about him more at the beginning of, of his sophomore year where he was starting to, you know, showcase that that jump with the increased playing time. And now it's just kind of become become second nature. But, you know, for Going into the ACC play, I think with him, how will he deal with some of the length now that uh, the teams will see a little bit more? Because that's been the one area that he struggled with a little bit in the losses. But from a overall perspective, he's kind of the, you know, he's the one you don't have to really worry about. Um, now, R.J. Davis played very well against App State. Uh, you mentioned the lack of assists, but I think uh, it was really also the, the one turnover. So if he can keep you know, even if he's only getting a, a few assists a game, you know, two, three assists, if he can keep the turnovers down, that will be extremely important. Uh, you mentioned the high, high shooting um, percentage and sure. Some of those were off of, you know, steals and, and fast breaks and layups and things of that nature, which will obviously raise it. But if, if he can, you know, reduce kind of the forced, the four shots um, that we've, we've kind of grown accustomed, accustomed to a little bit, whether it's uh, maybe taking it a little deep into the paint um, or kind of forcing up, you know, a step back ill-advised three, if he can reduce those and just kind of take what comes to him and, and still be aggressive uh, that'll, you know, his, his play is one, one major factor that will determine how UNC does coming up in the ACC play. Um, last thing to note, I was just looking in terms of, you know, at the beginning of the year and going up through the last few games, his, his percentage at the rim uh, was, was pretty terrible. Uh, like we're talking 20%, 30%, but it's definitely gotten up there 
uh, recently. Obviously, it helps when you're getting uh, you know easy layups, but at the same time, yeah, I think it speaks to him forcing forcing the issue a little less uh, as of late. Yeah, as those are great additions, and, and I'm glad you pointed those out for us. I think it's, uh, you know, you, you noted that we haven't talked about Armando a lot, and I think it is important that folks just remember and not take him for granted because I think, as again, as you alluded, once you get into the meat of this season and things become that hashtag grind that we all joke about, it's it, it's not something that, that you should sneeze at to have a guy that is almost a walking double-double. Um, and, and he has improved his footwork so much. I think last year we saw that, but it's even better this year. Just fun to watch. Now, coming into the Smith Center on the 29th, that's three days from today, they'll be hosting a Virginia Tech team that has got a very, what seems like a blue-collar style. Uh, they got four guys that average in double figures, uh, led by Keve Aluma. And, and guys, I watched Aluma against Duke the other night. Uh, I've seen him play against the Tar Heels in the past. Really, really love his game. Sean, how do you expect the Tar Heels to try to contain him? Uh, I think he's a little bit of a matchup nightmare for Baycott, but but how do you project that uh, the Tar Heels will try to guard Kevy Lumen, at least trying to keep him to a minimum on the offensive end? Yeah, I mean, you know, last year when, when they did face him, they they held him uh, to nine points and probably one of his, his least efficient games, obviously, that team was a little different with, with uh, a lot of the freshman shot blockers all over the place. Um, but I mean, between him and Mutz, you have two, you know, talented, talented big guys that, that have some athleticism. So they, they kind of, you know, bring something a little different. Uh, but at the same time, I think, you know, how do you defend him? I think it actually goes to Armando on offense um, and Carolina being aggressive offensively and making sure that he has to work, uh, on both sides of the ball. And it's, it's a little difficult, you know, if he's going to take 15 shots that, you know, he, it, his legs are going to be tired come the, come the second half because he is working so hard on both sides, but, you know, for him, they're going to have to contain him because while Virginia tech similar to UNC does not shoot, um, you know, a, a whole host of, of three pointers, they do knock them down similar to Carolina, um, you know, around 39%. So, you know, that, that'll be, that'll be something to watch of, of making sure that UNC does not have to help too much um, when he does get the ball. So again, you're, you're leading me right where I, I'd like to take you guys. And, and I appreciate that. You have said previously uh, on this show that you want to see more out of Brady Manick as far as minutes go. And you've actually, I think asked, you know, said that you'd like to see him start. Sherelle uh, talking about guarding a guy like Kevin Aluma. I don't think Brady Manick is necessarily going to be, you know, the next coming of Ben Wallace for anybody. But I have noticed, you know, a, a greatly increased efficiency for the Tar Heels. And shout out to Adrian Atkinson for posting this on Inside Carolina. Uh, when Manick and Baycott are in the game, the Tar Heels are actually a plus 37, almost a plus 38 in overall efficiency with those guys. Do you think that maybe against a team like Virginia Tech, it would behoove uh, Coach Davis and his staff to, to get a little more of that um, Brady Manic or Armando Baycott combination in there? Yeah, I don't think it could hurt. Uh, you know, I was surprised when the numbers came out just how good the defensive rating is. You know, it's 86.2, mm -hmm. which is cooking with gas, as, as they say mm -hmm. um, down here in the South. Um, so, yeah, I, I think you could see more of that. I think a lot of – and this is not, you know, anything to dismiss Brady Manic. And I, I right. want to tie it into what – Sean's point was earlier, but I think it has more to do with Armando Baycott, just the high level at which he's playing. You know, it doesn't really, I'm not going to say it doesn't matter, but the people playing beside him are aided greatly. Uh, and then that's why I think the Garcia 
Bay Baycott front court has a good efficiency number. And the same thing with the Manic, um, Baycott has a good efficiency number because Armando just playing at such a high level um, offensively and defensively. He's controlling the boards. Um, <clears throat> he hasn't, um, uh, I guess, yielded to the, he hasn't given in to the temptation to take jump shots. He has stayed mostly in the post this season, despite what we heard all summer about him, you know, improving uh, and taking threes and, and doing that kind of thing. So I think that is one of the reasons that the, the number is so high, just because uh, Baycott is playing so well. From a manic point of view, I think offensively, the ball does move much better when the man mm -hmm. is, is in the game. And Sean said that several times. Um, he just has an ability to kind of find, you know, the right guy at the right time. Um, and, and watching him, you know, swing passes back and forth with love and, and Baycott, it just, it's fun to see the offense move that way. Now, Hebert Davis, I think, has um, a very high opinion of Dawson Garcia defensively. Mm -hmm. So maybe he decides to lean on Garcia uh, for, you know, some coverage of, of Illumina this game. But I, I don't think we'll see that much different than what we've seen before in that there'll be, you know, 23-plus minutes for Garcia, 25-plus minutes for uh, Manic, and then Baycott will, will be up there with Love and, and Davis in the 30s. I, I don't think that'll change that much. But, um, yeah, I, I do think the Manic-Baycott uh, front quarter is one that will see more minutes as the season goes along. I don't think it will necessarily happen in this particular game. Sticking with that thought of looking at some of the efficiency numbers, I know we have talked about it online before we recorded this show today. We talked about it also uh, at you know, different times throughout the year. The Caleb Love-RJ Davis combination has looked really good. The stats are really bearing that out as well. Uh, Sherelle, how do you feel like uh, – the Tar Heels may be able to extend, and do you think it is something that continue throughout the year as far as being able to rely on both of those guys, you know, to be offensive contributors, not necessarily just uh, just getting assists or set guys up? But, I mean, you've seen both Davis and Love go off for big nights offensively, and we mentioned how RJ played against uh, App State. Do you feel like that, you know, looking at them playing together for just under 300 minutes so far this season, uh, offensive ratings just off the charts, do you feel like that's something that, that can be maintained for the rest of the year? Yeah, I do. Uh, again, a big key to that is Armando Baycott because he allows a lot of the, the spacing that happens for them. He helps a ton with that. Um, you know, to some degree, so does Manic. But, yes, I, I do think that can continue. Um, Davis, I think he's someone also we don't really talk about enough or mm -hmm. a lot just because he's pretty steady. Uh, he's pretty, pretty much 12 points, a couple assists, you know, a rebound or two, a steal uh, per game. He's going to do the same thing. Most games with, you know, the rare outbursts where I think he went for 26 or something. Um, so he's very consistent. I think Love um, has been more consistent this year, but he also um, has a little higher volatility just because I think he's uh, between his size and his shooting ability and his athleticism. He has a little bit of a higher ceiling. Yeah. Um, so I think whether or now, honestly, is a baseline for me because I don't think they've played close to their highest level or, or potential yet. So I would say the offensive rating right now is you would expect that to be a minimum moving forward hmm. just because even, even though the competition is going to get better, um, I think they will get better as well. Um, they're, they're hitting their shots this year that they just didn't make last year. A lot of them, again, going back to Adrian stuff from a couple of weeks ago, a lot of them are the same shots. They're, they're not much different. Um, they are getting more open looks, but this, this time, this year, they're just making some of those tough shots from last year, some of the step backs, some of the contested threes that didn't go in last year are going in this year. 
Um, so add that confidence to running an offense with a little more space. And I, I don't see a reason why um, that can't continue moving forward, even as even as competition begins to ramp up. I'm on vacation, too. Yeah, attaboy. Uh, Sean, one of the things I think we've seen and Tar Heel fans have seen, uh, it, it, whether they've been paying attention or not, that when Caleb Love wants to get to the cup with the basketball, I haven't seen anybody yet that can that, that it has been able to stop him. Uh, there have been times where, you know, potentially in the past, he was either a little out of control, but that seems to be fixed this year. What has changed in how he's approaching his offensive game when he gets the ball in his hands? And how does that make North Carolina different uh, offensively? How, how does that provide them with another dimension? Well, um, you know, for, first, I guess all you have to do is go back to Kentucky. I think they, they, you know, they stopped him from getting into the lane, which as we're kind of talking about this, that, that game is only one week removed from when those two did struggle mightily against mm -hmm. a, a much higher talent level uh, than App State or even what we'll see going forward. But, um, you know, in terms of, of love, I think one, he's been able to get a step, um, you know, from the perimeter, whether he's going left or right, that last year he just wasn't, wasn't getting. And he's still, you know, at the, t at times, you know, taking the one, one, two, jumping off the left foot and, and fading, but this time, you know, it, while he still does that this time, he's a little farther ahead of where he, where he is. And now for the most part, he's able to take it, you know, really attack, attack the big man if there is a big man by the basket and get a much better at balance when he is attacking. Um, so really it's just kind of being, you know, I think it's being more aggressive and having a little bit quicker of a first step uh, out on the perimeter um, as well as kind of a more aggressive mindset of, uh, you know, I think just knowing what he wants to do versus sometimes thinking he wants to get to the paint and then not really knowing, you know, what he's going to do with it. I mean, even against App State, uh, you know, I thought he had an open layup, but then he had to drop off to, to Brady for kind of the reverse layup. And that, that's definitely something we wouldn't have seen seen earlier. So, you know, I, I think we talk about Love and, and Davis. And once again, if they can keep playing at a high level, then UNC can have a pretty strong ACC. Um, but they're going to have to keep at that level because we, we've seen what can happen if, if both of them are having off games at the same time. Sean, how much do you think that uh, his hesitancy against Kentucky was just due to the fact that he hadn't seen athletes like that guarding him that close? Because I still think he was able to get to the rim. I think your point is, is spot on, though, that he didn't know what he wanted to do. I think having those guys kind of up in his shorts really changed his, his approach and his process um, with you know just slashing to the rim, which he seemed to be effective at. How much of that do you think is actually – correlating to you know Kentucky's game plan which you've heard about but also just uh, a change in athleticism that he saw that he hasn't seen a lot of this year yeah you're right he definitely has not seen a lot of that and and once again if he if you know he, I think he took the first shot of the game where he, he drove and you know he had a good drive but he you know he, he had left the his left hand floater a little a little short maybe if that goes in and you know for, you know for him I think he always needs see the ball go in the basket to uh, kind of get himself pumped up. Um, so I, I think, well, it was definitely a, a increased athleticism. He didn't see the ball go in the basket early on, and that can kind of have just a downward spiral on him at times. So, you know, for him, the thing I liked about App State, you know, he misses a three, uh, but he was confident enough to take another one in motion uh, that he did knock down. Um, you know, sometimes you can, you can kind of get mad at guys for, 
for just continuing to to shoot from behind the arc without attacking. But uh, for him, he was able to take it in motion, and and it was a you know it was a good shot. So I think in the ACC, I mean, you know, you can look at the net rankings, the camp, whatever rankings you want, and you know the athleticism at the guard spot is not going to be what a Kentucky or Purdue had uh, for the most part. So athletically, both the guards should be should be fine um, as they go through the the full season. But it's can they can they be consistent and and stay confident because there is a lot depending on them offensively. Sherell, you got something you want to tackle on the back end of that? Yeah, and just again, uh, if you haven't read this piece from Adrian Atkinson, um, go ahead. I, I said piece. I sound pretentious. Story <laughs> from Adrian Atkinson. Go ahead. Just inside the numbers. Expose. <laughs> yeah, yeah, trends from the non-conference slate. One of the ones that really jumped out to me, um, I'm quoting Adrian here, the Heels are shooting a sizzling 66.7% on 21 inside-out threes. So basically when the ball goes into mm-hmm. paint, goes back out to the three-point line for a shot, uh, including a combined 12 of 15 from Davis and Love. So to me, that also says that the big guys need to look for them. Um, you know, don't be a black hole when you get the ball into the paint. Look out to the perimeter because, you know, Walton or – even Leakey has shown that he can hit a, a wide open three. Um, you know, Davis, Love, uh, Kelana shoots better. I guess anybody shoots better when their feet are set and when yeah. they're comfortable. So, uh, you know, that's something that the base can do a better job of, I think. All three of them is uh, looking for those guys, you know, once the ball goes into the paint. All right, Cheryl, I want to hit you with one more thing before we, uh, before we take a quick break. I, uh, I mentioned before we did the show today, I don't know that there has ever been – two inconsequential to a result shots that meant more to a fan base than seeing Kerwin Walton hit those two threes against App State the other night. Why don't you uh, elaborate and enlighten myself and the listening audience about the chin wing pin down? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, you know, again, if you haven't read stuff from Adrian or from Trevor, um, who kind of is doing uh, the, the film room stuff, I've highly recommended learn something every single time. And so uh, as everybody knows, Kerlin Walton has been in a bit of a shooting slump. I think part of it is not really being, being in the rotation and, and playing a lot. Um, but against App State, UNC ran what's called the chin wing pin down for three. Um, it, to me, it looks like kind of an elevator screen. Uh, again, my basketball acumen compared to Trevor and Adrian, Adrian is not very high, um, but I would, take a look at it just to see um, really the whole story, just to see how Hubert Davis is um, putting in NBA concepts and putting in modern concepts into some of the stuff that Carolina has traditionally done. And um, it was a, the play looked great. Walton um, did what he was supposed to do. Manic did what he was supposed to do. And uh, I think it was a big three just for the team to see it go through for Kerwin mm-hmm. for Kerwin. I don't know if it's that big of a deal, honestly, um, just because he is very much process oriented versus results oriented. I know that sounds cliche, but it is true. Um, he's also someone who doesn't really get high or low or really anything. Um, so uh, just the fact that he's missed some shots isn't going to deter him from shooting again. So I think it was good for everyone else to see, but I don't know that it was a huge impact for, for Walton himself because his confidence really isn't hasn't waned or isn't going to wane, but I, I do think it's good for the team overall that hopefully that can get him some more minutes back in the rotation because they are going to need him on those nights. Uh, like Sean talked about uh, against Kentucky, when maybe the, the two other guards aren't having the best of nights, you need someone to fill that void 
uh, from the perimeter. And I think Walton can still do that. Well, especially as we've talked about ad nauseum here, when you have a team of guys that aren't used to each other, anything that you can do to inflate your teammates' confidence in you is going to bode well for the entire group as the season goes along. Speaking of confidence, Sean Moran looks incredibly confident today, right? Not to say that you ever look sheepish or dare I say timid, but today you look incredibly confident. It's almost as if someone gave you a Johnny T-shirt gift card for Christmas. Would that would you, would you say that's accurate? That's accurate. Sean told me before we got on the air today that his his most favorite Christmas present that he received from his family was indeed a Johnny T-shirt gift card, which, as we know, you can use in store on East Franklin Street, or you can use online at JohnnyT-shirt.com. Still take advantage of all of their amazing selection, brands, top of the line stuff, the most um, selective branding beautiful gear that you're going to find with the unc logo on it you can't ask for a better selection than what they have or better prices than what they provide and if you're an inside carolina premium subscriber you know you get that extra 10 off the top 10 percent off the top but they're already great prices you can find that code on the inside carolina premium message boards and use that hey if you didn't get what you like for christmas or if you got really bad gift givers in your family or somebody gave you a pair of really really lame underpants that you you know, you'd rather have something else, hit up Johnny T-shirt. Send the underpants back. Amazon has returns. Send it back. Get your money. Spend it at Johnny T-shirt. We appreciate them sponsoring Inside Carolina content. I want you to show your business to them and show them your love, not only at the end of 2021, but as we breeze into 2022. Uh, and, and any of you guys who are heading down to the bowl game uh, in Charlotte for the uh, condiment bowl here on Thursday, go get some new gear before you head down. You know, it's it's 70 degrees today, but the weather might be dicey, might be a little rain, might not. Who knows? Early in the morning, some of us have a radio show at 830. You need to layer. Go to Johnny T-Shirt. Let them take care of you. Tell them you got referred by the Coast to Coast podcast, and they'll give you a high five. We appreciate Johnny T-Shirt sponsoring us. Hope that you will send them your love and your business. Right now, take a quick break. Let the folks that run the national ads in this spot drop said ads in this spot. We'll be right back, talk a little bit of recruiting before we get out of here on the Coast to Coast podcast. Hey, guys, this is Ross Martin from Inside Carolina, and I want to talk to you about Inside Carolina's new podcast sponsor. It's Blue Shark Vodka. Blue Shark Vodka is a family-owned vodka company based out of Wilmington and Wrightsville, North Carolina. It's available in all 100 counties. And The thing about Blue Shark Vodka is it's the smoothest vodka in the world. It's made with sweet North Carolina corn to create the world's smoothest vodka. It's been distilled four times and then mellowed for 28 days to create that full blooming and awaking flavor. Each batch is in triple filtered, giving it a smooth, clean finish and it eliminates any of the alcohol bite. Guys, I've been using it recently with some soda water, fruit juice, little lime juice. It's great for tailgates. It's light, it's smooth, and it's an award-winning premium vodka from North Carolina, local and family-owned. And it's available, once again, in all 100 counties. So head to your local ABC store to check out Blue Shark Vodka. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, 
roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, we are back. Thanks for sticking around. Been talking about UNC basketball and how the season has fared as they wrap up the non-conference slate. Now, talk a little bit of recruiting here. Sherelle, you've got some news for folks that may not be great, but it's also not something that's going to send anyone into a, a major emotional tailspin. But one of uh, UNC's 24 prospects is dealing with a little bit of the injury bug, huh? Yeah, so uh, R.J. Jones, who we've talked about several times on this podcast, um, he's visited UNC, I think, twice, once in October. Um, and then again for, uh, I think, the App State game, actually. Um, he has a torn meniscus. And so he's going to be out for two to four months, with it, which is the rest of his high school season. Um, so unfortunate for him. Um, from what we can tell and talking to him, he still plan- thinks he'll be you know, fully healthy. It's not a, a deal that's a, a long-term injury that could really get worse. Um, just has to uh, let the swelling go down, then he'll have the surgery and uh, him and his family have said they don't want to rush things back. Like, I think they could technically get back for the end of high school season, but they would rather just, you know, have everything completely healed up and have him ready to go uh, potentially next summer for AAU. Uh, he is one who I think UNC liked or, or likes, um, but they wanted to see him play first. And now um, that he's not going to play, I don't know, you know, if, if an offer will come before he's able to get back on the courts, but he is in the class of 2024. So there's a long ways to go um, with that one. But again, uh, out two to four months, which is pretty much the rest of his high school season. They'll have plenty of time, like you said, to evaluate him, but we certainly want to send our best wishes uh, for a quick recovery for that young man and for his family and, and hope that, uh, hope that you know, they're rewarded for taking the smart long angle view and, and not bringing him back too early for the end of the season. Uh, I heard that you're going to actually be heading down to um, Columbia, South Carolina to do some some scouting of, of football or no? Maybe that's not it. You're just just taking a road trip. What's, what's going on in Columbia that you want to <laughs> talk about? So it is uh, the Chick-fil-A Classic, uh, which is a tournament each uh, year, you know, except last year, obviously. Uh, high school tournament that takes place. Uh, it used to be at Richland's Northeast, but now it's just outside of Columbia. And they invite pretty much people from around the country. I think, in my opinion, is taking some of the shine off of uh, Beach Ball, which mm-hmm. is in Myrtle Beach, which used to be one of the premier, um, you know, holiday tournaments in the country. It, it's still up there. But I think Chick-fil-A has, has surpassed it, in my opinion. Um, so anyway, the, the dead period ended on Sunday, December 26th. So coaches can, again, be out on the road. Um, the, the highlight of that one for us is obviously Gigi Jackson is from Columbia. Uh, Ridgeview is playing in the tournament. Uh, so we'll be down there to see him. Uh, Cam Scott is another player um, in 2024. I think he's top 15, uh, who North Carolina has shown some interest in. Um, he'll be playing, so we look forward to seeing him. And then for just people who like you know, basketball in general, um, there's a lot of good players. Shaden Sharp, who's the number one player in the class. Um, his uh, school, Dream City Christian, will be there. And then there's another guy I want to watch from Archbishop Stepanak, which actually is where RJ Davis went to school. Mm-hmm. Uh, his name is uh, Boogie Flan. He's in the class of 2024. That's an amazing name. <laughs> that's not his, it's not his, that's his nickname. I, I, I can't recall what his first name is, um, but he's, he's a really good player. Someone I want to put eyes on as well. Um, you know, since North Carolina is very familiar with Archbishop Stepanak. 
Uh, and then uh, I won't be there, but the John Wall Holiday Invitational in Raleigh starts tomorrow. It starts on Monday the 27th as well. And the big one for that, from a UNC perspective, maybe not big anymore, but uh, Matis Bezelis is uh, playing in that tournament. Uh, not much to report there from a UNC perspective, but someone UNC fans still might want to check out. And uh, Cam Whitmore will be there also, a name we talked about yeah. a lot, uh, who's now a Villanova signee. And also, if nothing else, if you're local to the Raleigh area and you haven't been to that event, go. It's just it's a lot of good ball. Um, the environment is really conducive for one of these great ho uh, holiday tournaments, so I would encourage anybody who is a hoop head to go check that out. Sean, speaking of hoop heads, last thing before we get out of here, or before I open it up for you guys to, to tell me what we missed, um, you got a chance to watch more of Sim Wilcher. What have you seen or learned in the second performance that was essentially a blowout for his school um, that, that maybe you didn't pick up on the first, uh, first few times you saw him? Yeah, I was able to watch uh, their, their second game of the year where they won very handily. Um, so it came, came after their loss to Camden. Uh, I think he was, you know, Simi was seven for 10 from the floor um, with a handful of assists, several, uh, he could have had several more assists that were fumbled uh, by his teammates as I was watching the game. But, you know, for him, uh, very under control, uh, you know, he was able to get to the rim. Um, and when he did get to the rim, showed really good body, body control, as well as kind of a good, a good floater. Um, so once again, I think from the, the few games he's had so far this season, he's, he's been able to kind of take a big, a big jump while, while not being one of those high ranked guards that is going to go, you know, eight for 24. Um, everything he's been doing has been pretty, pretty efficient. And, you know, he, he has two games coming up this week that I think will are free for live stream on Monday and Tuesday. Uh, he'll be in the slam dunk, slam dunk to the beach tournament up in Delaware. So, uh, you know, check, Check out that schedule and it should be an opportunity to potentially watch watch him against some some higher level competition as well awesome we appreciate the the nuggets there i know shrill's talking about chick-fil-a but you're also bringing nuggets so we appreciate you adding that on to the uh to the end of the recruiting segment of the show fellas before we get out of here um i'm not going to put bows on anything because i've been taking bows off of things and throwing them away for the last 48 hours but uh is there anything that we missed that you guys would like to mention before we hit stop on the record for the show john um, I mean, just that, you know, this obviously is a, a big week with, you know, one and zero in the ACC, but, but really it gets going this week, two winnable games, but Virginia tech, uh, they're ranked currently ranked higher than UNC and Ken Palm. So, uh, you know, that one should go either way, but will be a good opportunity for UNC to get a much needed uh, win against a quality quality opponent. And the only other thing, you know, we talked about Brady Manick, um, and we talked about how well the ball moves when he has it. One thing I did notice from, from last game, um, you know, right now he's only shooting, he's shooting around 36%, which is obviously a good percent from three, especially for a big, but less than or lower than what he used, you know, normally shoots. And I feel a lot of time for him, he, he's almost rushing, you know, rushing to get it off. Obviously he has a quick release, but he can be a little off balance. Um, I'd love to just see him, kind of take, you know, just a half a second longer just to kind of get in balance. And and I think, you know, we could start to see him really take off in terms of, of knocking, you know, several down in a row in, in games and in, in ACC. So that'll be something I'm looking for when watching uh, Brady and, and the Tar Heels. Yeah, that's, uh, that's actually a great point. I think the last, he shot it well last game, but against Kentucky, he definitely looked harried uh, and hurried. 
Uh, hopefully he can, he can kind of get that corrected and, and like you said, get some more volume. I think you mentioned that earlier this year and, and when you're as good of a shooter as he is, it never, uh, never hurts to stretch the floor. Cheryl, anything else you want to add before we, uh, before we get out of here tonight? No, I, I think, um, I think it's going to be like this every week where we say <laughs> we, we know we're going to know a lot about North Carolina, you know, when we talk next week, I think it's going to be that kind of year um, just because of their uh, inability, I guess, against the best teams they played to be consistent. Um, you would hope that entering ACC play, they kind of get it and know that this is an opportunity to really, um, <clears throat> you know, make a name for themselves nationally. I mean, you could argue Virginia Tech is going to be, you know, like Sean said, they're the second highest rated team on Kimpom. Yeah. Is this UNC's best, you know, chance for, is this UNC's chance for a good win aside from Duke? Is this like their only chance, you know, mm. for the next couple of months? So just because this is the similar ACC game, I think shouldn't limit how we view its importance. Um, and then, uh, you know, Boston College, as Greg has said many times, that's going to be a sleepy, sleepy game. So, for a team that has um, some tendencies to come out very um, sleepy, you have to hope that um, they can find their own energy in that game because January 1st during the day and BC, you no, know, nobody there. That's a tough place to, to get you, you know, your juices going. So um, concerned about that, but I, I guess we'll see. Um, and then one from a, not a Carolina perspective. I know we're not supposed to use these for shout outs. I'm sorry, Ben, please forgive me. But I wanted to give a round of applause to my nephew, Donovan McMillan. He made his first AAU team. He just found out. Um, ironically, he's going to be playing for Kenny Inge, former North Carolina State forward. So, All right. um, big what, shout uh, out. What, what, so what class is he? Yeah, 20, Sean, Sean already wants know. to do a video right up on him. Uh, <laughs> I guess that would be 26. 26, I believe, Oof, yeah. Man. Yeah. That's, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to get Ben to start looking at your. <laughs> you're looking at your schedule like a year out and make sure that you're not. You're not kind of sneaking in some some extra looks at a certain team uh, because of some some nepotism. Yeah. All right, what, I, I want to break my own rule here, though. I know we're on the way out, but Cheryl, you hit on something that that maybe might be worth delving into before we close the book today. What would it take out of North Carolina to make us not ask the same or not say the same questions every week? Like, do, you know, do they need to beat somebody by 40 in conference? Do they need to, um, you know, they need to have five guys, you know, score in double figures for three straight. What, what do you need to see them do? Yeah, for me, I don't think it's to beat someone by 40 because we know they're capable of that. I think what we don't know they're capable of is bringing the same effort every or I shouldn't say that. Let me rephrase is being consistent, you mm. know, over the course of not five games or eight games, but of. 10 or 15 or 20 not to be fair they haven't played 20 games this season so obviously right. they can't they can't have shown it but this group uh, most of this group has together and even then it, it's been an issue so i think for me it's more coming out with that energy most of the time they only have to do it every time right. just most of the time and i think um if they do that then uh, you know I, I would be satiated i guess uh <laughs> you know if they're able to do that All but right. yeah a, a 40 point win would be great but it wouldn't really answer those questions because we already know they can do that. Sean, same question. I, I don't really think any, I mean, I think we're, we will be asking that no matter what, what happens. Um, just, you know, once again, the ACC, not as strong as it normally is, but, you know, even you just look at the schedule and, you know, even the second week they play at Notre Dame and then Virginia, uh, two teams that you would think they should be capable of beating, but, you know, those could go either way and you can pretty much go 
go on down the list of, well, it's a team they probably could and should beat, but um, I, I think a lot of these will be, will be fairly close and it's going to see, you know, are they able to, to pull it out? I think during the App State game, they, they showed UNC as kind of a projected seven, you know, seven seed. Mm-hmm. And if you're in that kind of seven to 10 range, you know, as we saw last year, a lot of these games are going to be going to be toss ups or they'll win some and they'll lose some. Um, but once again, from a talent perspective, uh, you know, if they can get things going, I think uh, there's still a lot of there's still a lot of improvement uh, for this team to show. Um, and it would be nice, be nice to kind of continue to uh, to see that uh, throughout each of the each of the games. All right. Well, sorry to, I guess, extend the show, but I felt like that was something worth digging into a little bit. And that's what I'm here for is to, to get more out of you guys. But I appreciate y'all being here. Always appreciate what you bring. Again, want to remind our listeners, thank you for listening. But hey, take a second, rate and review us. We appreciate it. As as seen, you know, we had somebody post on the message boards and complain about my microphone, so we got it fixed. So I should tell you that we are paying attention to you guys' feedback. We want to make sure we're delivering a good product for you and great content uh, that you've come to expect from inside Carolina. But we're thankful that you listened to this episode of the Coast to Coast podcast. We hope that you'll join us again every week. We drop one of these. We usually record them on Sundays, usually drop them on Mondays. So we appreciate uh, you paying attention. Hopefully you can get us worked into your regular listening rotation. We're thankful for you being here. But until next time, for Sean Moran, for Sherelle McMillan, I'm Joey Powell. We'll catch you down the road late. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.